2: Come in. I'm Rob Black, talking money investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. I know that there's options out there. You could help me by telling friends and family though about the show, by letting them know that you can sign up at Apple under iTunes at Rob Black and Your Money. It's Rob Black and Your Money. Um, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Talk about getting into retirement. We can talk about. Um other issues that are out there. We're saving to retire in our forties. Uh that's always been kind of a goal of mine. Maybe that's realistic, maybe it's not, but it's a good goal. Um and I think that's kind of important to have something along those, you know, uh lines, so to speak. 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. The irony of having a strong financial life is that you don't really want it at times. You want what a strong financial life represents. So if your only goal is to become rich, you'll never achieve it, so says John Rockefeller. So the ability to fail and try again someday, that's kind of what wealth gives you. More time to be spent in personal, meaningful ways, that's kind of what wealth should give you. Stronger choices for loved ones, like schools, neighborhoods, and vacations. That's what wealth should give you. The chance to continue to develop yourself through travel and education and painting and reading. That's what wealth should give you. Wealth is a weird, weird thing. Like happiness and success, it can't be pursued directly. A lot of people try, but they're never, ever satisfied. Once they make the money that they think. They uh, used to think would make them happy they try to find something else they find that something's missing um, oftentimes it's just more money and for me I kind of fall into the world of you know I'm not going to say the millennial experience is everything because that's not quite right but for me it's it's very much so uh, I I don't need a fancy car I don't need a fancy wife, I don't need fancy dinners. they're lovely, all of those things. But I've got a good, reliable truck because I do things that make me happy in the truck, um haul around soccer equipment, haul around yard stuff um and that makes me happy. So things that you want aren't crafted out of thin air; they're observations of of you know how things work in my opinion. So money is worthless by itself. I think that's a fair statement. It's only valuable if it can be, get you something else that you want. It's never an end goal. It's meant to touch many, many, many hands. So I have a friend who, she came out of a car accident um, having lost a loved one, but she also came out with a lot of shares of Apple. Apple. And she has the ability to do whatever she wants financially. But she's been very, very conservative because her heart was healing. And at some point in time, she has money to travel. She has money to do what she wants. So you don't want to hoard it, but you want to have the right mind frame when it comes time for it. You want to use your money to connect with others more strongly than you could without. Money's like love. It kills slowly and painfully the ones who who withhold it. It enlivens those who turn it on to their fellow man. So smart money is slow. I agree with that. The best money managers in the world think slow before inaction because the better money decisions require you to take pauses. You know, I believe otherwise, if you've watched movies like Wall Street, greed is good. But you're seeing speculation. So uh, Warren Buffett once said, our favorite holding period is forever. And I think if you were to use another Warren Buffett thought where you have only 20 investment decisions in your life, use them wisely, um, you would slow down before you bought something. So I was asked the question recently of who would you give $20 billion to general motors or Elon Musk? And you have to stop and think that one through because General Motors aims for a twenty percent return on capital. That's a pretty good return. It's way better than you're gonna get in a bank. But Elon Musk has got a lot of great ideas. No one has ever given Elon Musk money and made money. He hasn't made money at his companies yet. Um but General Motors pays out a dividend of about two billion dollars a year to shareholders. So you always have to stop and ask yourself, what's this question even mean? I like slow money. So I own shares at Disney because it's a dominant franchise. Um, that chick, Cinderella, she has not worked in a very long time. Um, and Disney owns her. And they're like, hey, let's, let's go release the, the, the dungeon and bring Cinderella back out. Do you Remember what Cinderella, remember what Disney used to do? And this was just evil. Uh, Back when we had VHS tapes, you'd hear commercials like, now for a limited time, for 20 weeks only, we're opening our vault and we're bringing out a digitally remastered Cinderella on VHS and DVD and Blu-ray and Laserdisc. And uh, you could have Cinderella. Like that chick, she she hasn't worked in 50 years, 60 years. So, and now there's a Tenderella out there. Um, there's actually a Cinderella ballet, and somehow I bet Disney's making some money off that. (laughs) Yes. So making money is boring, in my opinion. Um, we see the drama in it, but it should be more boring. You should have a good portfolio that does well in a down market and does good in an up market. I don't want you to hit a home run, but I also don't want you to strike out. A good portfolio has different components to it, like a d- good baseball team. You need a strong first baseman. You need a strong second baseman. You need a short, quick, wily little guy who could play shortstop. Possibly you can give up a little bit of fielding for a better hitting third baseman. You need strong pitching. You need a catcher who's general. And that's, like, that's why you need companies like Disney you know, they play a certain role. They're not going to get you in a lot of trouble. And maybe you want a company like a Chevron or an Exxon who is tied towards energy and and, for the foreseeable future, we're going to consume a lot of energy, but although less so in cars than before. So you save money bit by bit, you invest it, you receive dividends or income, you reinvest the proceeds, you compound your earnings year after year. It's not a lot of drama. Sometimes for me, I've learned that money means saying no. I've got a lot of friends who want to go to the Warriors game, the Giants game, the Sharks game. And saying no to almost every opportunity to part with your money is a key to financial success. Most of us waste our money. Um, Learn to say no to the good so you can say yes to the best. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Take a break. Be right back. This is Rob Black and your money. You can find me at Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black.
1: Com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money
2: on AM 1220 KDOW. Mondays and Thursdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. I'm going to be talking stocks. My radio career is littered with mostly successes. A couple failures, a couple stations that went under. Not due to me, I hope. Be quiet. <laughs> quiet my head. Um... But the basic idea is there's successes and there's failures. And uh, I think my biggest success was on a national platform on a radio show called Stock Talk. Stock Talk for All Black. And I did it in the evenings from the East Coast, but it was done all across the nation. And it was 4 to 7 p.m. on the West Coast, which was drive time. And kind of got me in with the Bay Area and how smart the people were and how insightful. So I'm kind of honoring that by talking stocks on Mondays and Thursdays, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And there'll be replays of it and best ofs and things along those lines through the various shows that I do and don't do. Um, Some shows that I don't do are like podcasts. So you can find those out there. You can always go to apple.com or uh, their iTunes and look for Rob Black and your money. Rob Black and your money. It's, It's there. So Amazon is a company that I want to talk a little stock talk right now with. A lot of brick-and-mortar retailers saw their stock slide after the company encroached further on their turf. Not only did they do Prime Day, but they they've started announcing some partnerships with companies like Nike and companies like Sears, and this is like Friday the 13th, part one. You know, Jason Voorhees uh, drowns in Crystal Lake, and you know his mommy, years later, comes back and gets the count, counselors because they were all snoozing on the job and sexing it up and stuff like that. And, so Jason Voorhees is Friday the 13th in the world of retail, right? Whether you're Macy's or you're Sears or the JC Um, and then it's like Friday the 13th part two. And then it's like Friday the 13th part three with Amazon. And then it's like Friday the 13th part four, like blue apron comes public and they go, Oh, we're going to do food delivery too. Just like you guys do. And then it's like Friday the 13th part five. It's night then it turns into nightmare on Elm street. Then it's nightmare on Elm street too. Nightmare. So Amazon is literally killing companies. Um, and there's terror out there. So, Amazon announced that Sears, that they would sell some of Sears Kenmore appliances. And one thing that I love about Sears appliances, they typically come the next day or two and they typically take your old appliance away. So you're not waiting two weeks for a washer and if you've got kids, you don't wait two weeks for washers and dryers. Or if you do, you're at the laundromat, which I've often said, if you ever see me in a laundromat, I'll give you $10,000 cash as a surprise. Uh, Look who's here kind of thing. Um, I've also said about Radio Shack, and no one's ever seen me in a Radio Shack alive. Kind of like that Elvis sighting, very rare. So we've seen the movie before. We know the bad guys that some dame in distress is going to win, but the brick-and-mortar companies like Macy's and Kohl's, they're the first victim of online shopping for a lot of people. Now retailers who once were thought of as immune, like O'Reilly Automotive uh, and Advanced Auto Parts, uh, the Pep Boys... they're getting attacked. You can get a headlight online, and it'll come the same day. Or you can go to uh, the, the store and get it, stand in line, try to use their catalog. Like, same thing, right? So when Amazon bought Whole Foods, people are like, well, maybe we'll get a little more groceries delivered. And uh, companies like Costco are seemingly immune. Uh, what we're learning is a lot of people who have a Costco membership also have an Amazon Prime membership. So nothing's really Amazon-proof, it, it feels. Because a couple of years ago, we we said that some of these companies were Amazon-proof, but they're turning out not to be. The outside, outside moves in appliance retailers. Um, you saw companies like Best Buy just get dumped on. And, you know, Best Buy and Home Depot and Lowe's, that's where a lot of people buy their refrigerators and the washers and dryers. It isn't that it concerns are unwarranted, um, but J.P. Morgan analyst Michael Rehall noted that internet transactions account for about 12% to 13% of the U.S. appliance purchases. Um, and it's growing. At least 30% of the transactions in the United States um the UK and China. So, when you look at the whole, you see appliances are fairly not small at 13 percent. But when you look at the the more developed com- countries, you're saying whoa. So there's a lot of room for online appliance sales to grow. and Grow they will, and Amazon will be a winner. Over time, just one to two years, it's expected the online retailer Amazon could very well become a major, significant seller of appliances. Um. So everyone seems to be in the sights. Sears will continue to handle the delivery and servicing of Kenmore Appliances, which, I again, I like. I, I hate saying that because I always feel that in Sears, you, you'd go in their stores, and it, it was like a, a football field. And you're like, I just need the world's tiniest screwdriver for whatever reason. You've got something that, you know, maybe a clock or something that fell apart. And, like, you need this, uh, the world's tiny. And you're in Sears, and you're like, hello? Is anyone here? And you're like, I could put everything in my pocket and walk out of the store, and no one would know. And like all these thoughts go to your head. Like, I wonder if like they're all being held at gunpoint and back. And you're like, nobody would know. Um, so Amazon being Amazon now is turning into a term, right? But you also can learn how to play with them. So like I said, Sears is starting to learn, you know, Hey, we don't need those big physical stores. We just want to sell the appliances and service them. Um, and the more appliances they serve, the better prices they get from their distributors and their dealers, things along those lines. um, so Amazon doesn't mean customers are going to want, you know, a brand new brand. People kind of like the Kenmore brand. Although there's some conspiracy theorists out there that say like, you know, washers and dryers are being built cheaper because they're being built overseas. So they're breaking sooner and it, it benefits the industry. And like, whoa, I don't know. If I believe in every conspiracy theory out there, but Kenmore appliances aren't sold at Home Depot, Lowe's, or Best Buy. So the most likely victim of the serious Amazon hookup could very well be Sears because sometimes you would go into a Sears store and buy a washer or dryer and you'd go, hey, look, a hammock. Now, you have no need or no desire or no want for a hammock, but suddenly you're like, hey, look, a hammock. And you kind of buy into that. So the drops in Best Buy, Home Depot and Lowe's, uh, when it was announced that Amazon had to deal with Sears to sell Kenmore washers and dryers. They tumbled 4%, 5%, 6%. And maybe it's a buying opportunity because, again, some people are going to want to go out there and look at product. And, again, the Kenmore product wasn't sold at those guys. Um, It's funny because whenever a washer, dryer, refrigerator, dishwasher fails for me, I do go to, like, Consumer Reports and try to find the best one. Or I go to, like, the Home Depot or the Best Buy website and see who's got the highest rating, Or who's got the most units sold with the highest rating? And it's silly. It's really silly. Um, For big drops, anytime Amazon announces a new category, you look for opportunities. And Best Buy looks like the best opportunity. While Home Depot and Lowe's have been relatively immune to the Amazon effect, Best Buy has been there numerous times. Now, I like... I like Home Depot for the long-term patient investor based on the housing market in the United States and based on what the product they have and how there's always people there, especially on weekends. Best Buy's ability to compete with Amazon has been recognized by the market. Okay. And sometimes you see them winning uh, and having a good year. Something to think about. Who are the winners and losers when you get Amazon? I'm Rob Black, Talking Stock.
0: making my
1: Join the conversation Eight hundred five one six. 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I talk stocks Mondays and Thursdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Stock talk. And I talk general market economy, big stories of the day, stock sectors, investing, financial planning, Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. I dig you. I dig talking money. I dig talking investing. Um, Anytime you have a question, don't be afraid to ask. And keep in mind, I do events. And I always have an event coming up. And you can find out more about the events coming up by going to Rob Black show. It's robblackshow.com. And when you're there, you can check out what's coming up. And uh, if you like what you see and where it is, typically we throw down a $25 fee to get in. But we serve wine and cheese or lunch, whatever the event is, whenever it is. Uh, And you can get in for free using the code RADIO25. That's RADIO25. Um, It's no secret that as interest rates rise, financial stocks tend to be correlated to that, and a lot of people tend to go, hey, they can make more money. And as interest rates rise, it's typically the thought that the economy is doing better. So there's sometimes assumptions, right? There's different types of banks. Bank of America, what would you think? Consumer Bank, United States, consumer loans, mortgages, car loans. Um, Citigroup, what would you think? Probably more international version of that domestic Bank of America, Wells Fargo, you see probably has a lot of mortgages, not as dominant in banking, Uh, but they're not bad in banking, but different financials create different situations after years of restructuring and repositioning and downsizing and right-sizing and different CEOs. Citigroup recently laid out some ambitious financial plans that tell me and show me that we should consider potentially adding it to the portfolio if you haven't ticker symbol is C. Now, when you talk about Citigroup, you talk about, again, companies that lend money. And there's a lot of leverage in that in the United States. And we saw in 2006, seven, and eight that when you lend a lot of money to people buying houses, and then you repackage that loan in mortgages, and you sell it to investors. I'm not going to use the word house of cards, but it can get tricky fast. One of the largest financial services known to man, Citigroup has some 200 million customer accounts and serves clients around the globe. It offers deposits and loans, investment banking, brokerage, wealth management, other financial services. You may not like that it's around the globe. You may go, I I don't like what's going on in Europe. I like what's going on in the, the U.S. Or you may say, the other way around, I don't like what's going on in the U.S., I like what's going on in the world. Few banks in the world can hit Citigroup's reach. Citibank owns a stake in several international regional banks as well. Um, so they've got more than 130000000 city Citi-branded credit cards. They were hit hard in the 2008 financial crisis. City has been refocusing on its original mission, which was traditional banking. It's got some $1.7 trillion in assets and some $930 billion in deposits. You generally would compare them to a JPMorgan Chase, Bank of America, an HSBC Holdings, um, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo. So you kind of get to know all the all the players, and then what I like to do as a stock picker, as an investor, is write down all the names, all the ticker symbols, uh, what the year-to-date change is, how's it doing compared to its peers. Um, you know, for instance, if Citigroup's the leader, maybe a lot of money already knows that they're in a good position to expand. Then you take a look at their earnings per share for 2017. You take a look at the estimates for 2018. You take a look at the P.E. based on 2017 earnings. You take a look at potential 2018. You take a look at price to tangible book. You take a look at the dividend yield so that you can get paid while it maybe underperforms or get paid less while it outperforms as a stock. Um, So Citigroup, ticker symbol C, is approaching its highest level since the financial crisis. That's when the troubled bank rose. Uh, had to raise capital and dilute its shares. Uh, there could be more upside down because City offers a combination of low valuation and what could be the highest earnings growth rate amongst its peers. Um, their earnings growth for 2020, from now through 2020, basically assumes a 20% compound annual growth rate. And that suggests that it could hit about $100 per share, which is 48% above its current level. That's not bad. Now, there were some recent stress tests in the United States, and who knows, are we going to do these forever, or are we going to make them once every two years versus every year, uh, maybe every three years? Those rules are changing pretty constantly. Um, and Citigroup came out of their stress test with the Federal Reserve, and basically, the Federal Reserve said, You can double your dividend. Citi also was going to purchase more shares. 'Cause they basically got the blessing, um, and his name is luminous from the Federal Reserve that they with all the cash they've set aside, they could start using some of it and that the emergency's over. Over, over. danger, all in danger. So Citigroup right now has clearance to return about nineteen billion in capital to shareholders in the next twelve months and it's hoping to return twenty billion plus in each of the following two years. They've got some lofty financial goals and a huge global footprint. Citigroup, it looks expense inexpensive to me. It's a little work for us. we taking action on these stocks. Mitch on the show. Um, investors want to see if City can generate consistent growth in revenue and operating profit. There's no street consensus expectations for 2020. But the 2019 projection is, you know, about $7 a share. Um, and that's kind of in line with what Citigroup Group is saying. They've done a lot of repositioning. They've told investors that the reposition is done. They think they're poised to deliver attractive and sustainable returns. So there's unparalleled global presence right now. Um, they're big, they're diversified, they're worldwide. So one analyst recently said you know, uh, Citigroup will need 10% compounded annual growth and annual revenue. Um, it's a U.S. retail bank that's a leader, but it's also a, a leading Mexican bank. And Citi is assuming a robust global economy and benign credit cost because of the low cost of money out there at this point in time. So if Citi is able to grow their earnings at 20% a clip, that would lift the shares over 50%. Now, just to show you how diversified they are, they get about half their revenue outside the United States. It's the highest percentage in its group. Um, so again, you may not like what is happening in the U.S. economy. Maybe you're nervous about the Trump presidency and the fact that Congress isn't really playing along with his agenda. Maybe you see that as gridlock, and that's a good thing. I don't know. I'm not you. Leveraging off its worldwide presence, Citigroup operates the largest proprietary uh, global payment system. It's also the number one global credit card issuer. So you're dealing with a lot of issues there. I do not believe... I believe that banks are, are usually fairly conservative. But that's not always true. You see long stretches of time where... Uh, sometimes the banks themselves are taking on too much risk. Sometimes the banks like Wells Fargo are breaking the law to show better growth than is actually happening. Sometimes banks do stuff uh, that they don't want to do. Federal government says something along the lines of, uh, I'm the great senator of Utah, and uh, I-, I want you know all my citizens to have houses. American dream. I grew up with the American dream. My father's father grew up with American dreams. My father's father grew up with the American dream. And I want all financial institutions to lend money to people. Financial institutions, like uh, Congressman, that's not a good idea. Not everyone deserves a loan. You know, sometimes people have only worked for a month or two. Sometimes they have no assets that we can seize if they fail. Congressman goes, You will do it all, I'll take away your banking off. We don't have to play the music. Vote Rob Black. Uh, mayor of your city. Just write in my name. So I'm not going to say which city. I'm just going to say let's do it randomly and maybe I get elected. So, uh, so there is some risk. I mean, when you're talking global pr- uh, payment systems, when you're talking global credit cards, when you're talking global banking, when you're talking global mortgages, um, it's tricky. So you're basically betting on global capitalism at that point in time on some levels. Now, how do you look at the risk of that? You go, well, you go, well Merck's take on a lot of debt. And this is a company that issues debt. And at some point in time, debt needs to be pay- repaid, right? So anyway, according to Rob Black, I think Citigroup should be put on your watch list for the next five years. If there's a pullback, if there's a buying opportunity, uh, some analysts are, are looking at about $100 share price on Citigroup. I think that makes a lot of sense. If you're a long-term patient investor, the buybacks plus the increased dividends are attractive to investors. Is it uh, the end all be all new? No. no, 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 no. But it's something to consider. Twitter. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Sees no relief in sight. Uh, do you remember when Twitter's IPO hit $70 a share and then they fall to 60, 50, 40, 30? 25, 20, do I hear 15? And Twitter's just in a problem at this point in time. It's a great brand. No, it's a brand, right? And the spotlight has been turned on to them of okay, your stock has fallen. You're a great brand, or everyone knows you, a lot of people do. Now let's see some revenue growth. If you compare Twitter to Facebook on price per sales, price per earnings, Uh, Earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. Facebook is cheaper than Twitter. So, which one do you want to do? The one the stock is working and rewarding, or the one who's kind of broken? Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's Mm robblackshow.com.
1: Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM
0: 1220 KDOW. A
2: friend of of to a concert the other day. called Electric Guest. Sent some video to me. And, uh, I looked at the lead singer and I was like, whoa, he's funky. He's fun. He's, he's right on. He's, he's fab. Like he was doing all that in a bucket of chicken. He was like, he had the fun dance moves. He had the entertain the crowd. And, uh, long story short, I love a good lead singer. Now this is Jude in the lion suit and jacket. Um, I kind of tried to put a lot of effort into the music of this show. Me and Mike. Mike's my producer. He's also known as... Are you number nine or number 10? 10. Number 10. In the many years that I've worked here, he's the 10th producer. Keep in mind, one has died. One's got kidney failure. It doesn't look pretty for him. One's Woo-hoo! moved on. Another's moved on. Yeah, longevity doesn't run in the in the position, but. I'm out of here. Uh, I'm always pleased that he's here. And uh, Suit and Jacket says, I ain't trading my dreams for no 401k, and I ain't giving this fire for a cold, cold heart. So don't say I'm getting colder, because I'll say it when I do. Um, some of us survive, and some of us just roam, and some of us just hope and the world will move more slowly. I do love a good lead singer, but not a good lead singer who says, I ain't trading my dreams for no 401k. Gotta have your 401k. And then you tie your dreams to that. And I'm not saying financially speaking, because I've met some people from France. I know you're saying France. And you get some global perspectives when you meet people from other areas. And then she's like, um, yes, Robert, when people talk to me, they say, I said, I'm from France. I'm from Paris. And they go, I've been to London and I like Big Ben. And she goes, but, but, she keeps her mouth shut. And she thinks to herself, she goes, but, but, Big Ben is in London and all of Europe is not one country. And she talks about how it, differences between community the word community in europe means like the islamic community lives in this neighborhood the christian community lives in that neighborhood but there's no sense of community where it's like yeah me and my neighbor we're gonna fry up some uh some barbecue uh turkey for thanksgiving and uh there's none of that there's there's more of an individualistic approach Um, people are very much so individual and the idea of community is is kind of foreign and she goes the other thing that she noted she goes robert Monsieur Robert, I want to tell you, your obsession with 4th of July is fascinating. Because we in France, we will wear red, white, and blue when we win the World Cup. Which is not very often. It's not very often, Roberto. Robert. Robert. (laughs) That's not my (laughs) French. And she goes, it's not very often, but we will wear when we win the World Cup. And on occasion, like red, white, and blue to the French. Soccer blue. It just got...
0: Neymar, didn't they? It,
2: it, it means uh, very... It means very... Uh, Right-wing. It's, it's... The right conservatives like wave the flag. Liberals, not so much. And I'm more of a liberal. She goes, but on 4th of July here it's like an explosion. You should wear a red white, goes, wear red, white, and blue bikini. And she goes, I could wear red, white, and blue bikini in France, but I do not. She goes, you come out of your house in L.A. and everyone's wearing red, white, and blue and they have flags in their car and you celebrate your country... But anyway, different perspectives, right? And that's kind of important because when it comes to the United States, millennials have a different perspective on real estate investing than Generation X than baby boomers. And I think that's worthy of note. The only thing that I push on the show, Tony, is let's get people to save and invest enough so they're not buying a car that depreciates. They're not buying a watch that depreciates. I was on a plane yesterday and uh, this guy gave me the stink eyeball. He just gave me the stink eyeball and it's was, it was funny cause I started like looking him up and down. I'm like, okay, so he's 25 years old. He's a punk. He's low income, probably doesn't have a college degree. He's probably feeling a little intimidated into life, but he's got, the but good he's got watch. a nice watch yeah. and uh, I'm pretty sure he's probably got a pretty kick butt car, all things considered, or at least wheels on a pretty crappy car, but the wheels are worth more than the car. And he was giving me this attitude and I figured out what it was afterwards. <laughs> and I thought it was all about him being like disenfranchised and stuff like that, but he was watching baby boss and he was like a 25 year old dude and he's watching baby boss. And here's the worst part about it. It had Chinese subtitles. So he had (laughs) stolen it. (laughs) Couldn't even afford to rent. couldn't even afford to do the right thing and rent the movie properly. bootleg movie. A bootleg movie. So anyway, back to you. (laughs) Let's talk mortgages. Perspective. Um, you have a different perspective than your parents. You have a different mm-hmm. perspective than your brother. And you even have a twin brother. Um, your twin brother bought a lot of real estate in a beach town. And that's great. But he probably wishes he had bought a lot of real estate in California or in even his own home market. Um, so he's got these rental properties. Well, probably wishes he had a 401k or an IRA as well. Yep. He is definitely one of those type of investors that doesn't use or doesn't mix retirement and the same Sentence, not even the same paragraph as real estate. Uh, They are real estate. They're both real estate professionals, um, and they would consider themselves doing pretty well. And that was their angle and their perspective on their retirement. So they basically put all their eggs in that basket. So I got an email, or I got real mail from PennyMac because I'm going to throw all my mail coming back. After a flight and says, with interest rates becoming increasingly volatile in recent weeks, time may be running out for you to take advantage of today's historically low rate environment on cash out refinances. That's something you do, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, we do. Home equity, lines of credit. Lines of credit, cash out loans. 30-year mortgages, 15-year mortgages, 7-year mortgages. Commercial, construction, do everything. Real estate has its place with investments. Investments have its place with real estate. I think that's what the show was all about today. And uh, be patient. Have a good Mm -hmm. mind. Look. Look. Try to figure out what's right for you, and have perspective of the French person. Um, I don't know what that means, but it is what it is. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLunarsource.com. That's BayAreaLunarsource.com. You can find me at RobBlackShow.com. It's Rob Black Show. Anytime there's a seminar coming up, use code Radio25 to get in for free.